The following session has several moments of audience participation which were not picked up by the microphone. You will hear silence in these areas. Where audience members read scripture, we have recorded and added the scripture reading back into the appropriate places. Um, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard Price. Uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I have a private practice uh, in Puyallup. Um, I'm part of a network of mental health professionals all over South Sound um, called Seattle Christian Counseling. So I, I have a lot of colleagues um, scattered over the region, and um, we all do um, therapy or counseling from a Christian perspective. And um, today we're going to talk about strategies for helping an angry adult. So... Um, sure we all know some of those. Um, but there was some more of the worksheet getting copied, and so those are going to be distributed. We'll just use that as a guide. I really want to make this um, more of a conversation, and I know there will be some of you at home watching, so welcome to you, and um, glad you're with us. But I want participation um, as much as possible from you, and um, I want this to be a conversation that we direct towards God, that we reflect together on these questions and how we can, um, in a godly way, respond to someone who's angry. Thank you, honey. Uh, let me pray for us as we get started. Gracious Father, I thank you for this time that we have uh, that you have carved out for us, Lord, to ponder your truth, to seek your wisdom, Lord, to, to reflect on your love and how to redeem anger, Lord, how to use anger well. Um, anger that we experience, angers that others experience is part of um, your image in us. But Lord, help us to redeem it. Help us to yield to you in all things. Help us to learn from you in your love and your holy justice. Lord, um, benefit us through this time that we give to you. Uh, we ask that you would work in hearts today, that you would touch lives. And we thank you in advance for what you will accomplish in your mighty name and in your son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, so hopefully you have um, the worksheet in front of you. And um, we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today because I want um, all of the strategies and all of the um, principles we discussed to be biblically based. It's very important for our work today. So um, you'll see the first little um, opening point I have there is, um, it's a theme in Pallison's book, the greatest anger and problem in the world is yours. And um, I mean that just as a general principle, so I don't want to overapply that. If you see the little disclaimer I have at the bottom of that page, this is very important. Um, sometimes in Christian circles, the message has been, um, I think the wrong message has been sent, that um, you must um, submit in all ways to even um, sinful anger. And I, I, in my work, I oftentimes have to stand between um, people who are abused and abusers. And, and so this is very close to my heart, but Pallison says in his book at the bottom of the page, aggressors and abusers use anger as a power play, a way of manipulating, a reckless way of winning. Their temper is cruel, threatening, overwhelming. Right now, your biggest anger problem might not be your own anger. Getting immediate help to keep you and others safe is your first priority. Please find a trusted counselor, pastor, or friend to talk with. Uh, don't hesitate to call the authorities if you feel threatened. And I, I, I would echo that sentiment. Uh, I offer myself as a, a resource if anyone is struggling under the um, influence of oppressive anger from someone else. That's a situation that should be taken seriously. So everything we say, hopefully with that in mind. Um, but 
the, the idea that the greatest anger problem in the world is yours basically is the idea that um, Jesus um, preaches on and the Sermon on the Mount, and he says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 4 to 5, how can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so this is just basically the principle that um, when you're thinking of someone else's anger and someone else is presenting anger to you, um, best way for you to be able to help him is to first um, reflect on your own heart, to first be humble in your own heart, to see uh, the sin that is in your own heart, um, and then the next step will be more possible once you've been able to do that. So basically the, the idea is clean your own room before you clean the rest of the world. So I think as we consider these other angry adults in our lives, I think it's really important for us to continue pondering our own struggle with anger, our own struggle with pride, our own struggle with sinful um, vindictiveness. Uh, second principle, just to, just to open up, is that we're seeking wisdom here. And wisdom is a more um, nuanced and complicated thing than just simple formulas. We're not seeking formulas that you can just apply across the board and that you can expect a certain type of result no matter what the situation. All the principles that we talk about today, you can probably think of some exception, some scenario where that's not going to quite work out. And uh, I would say yes, of course, and, but that doesn't mean we throw out the principle. So um, formulas are too simplistic, they reduce the issue too much, and they're inadequate. So we're really seeking wisdom, and Proverbs, um, the book of Proverbs, really calls us to, to make wisdom a priority. And so that's what we're doing today. In Proverbs 4, 6 to 8, um, the author says, Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom Though it cost all you have, get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you, embrace her, and she will honor you. So we're after biblical wisdom, we're after real growth and inner, inner struggle with these issues here, not simple um, answers. And um, one of the most important things today um, is to think about is we have an example in Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, um, of someone who responded to... Um, the world with godly anger, with good anger. He embodied good anger. He displayed it. And then also he responded to bad anger in others um, in a perfect way. And so we, we, we don't have to work here without, um, without an example that we can look to and say that's how it should be done. So maybe we can just read a couple of these. Um, I, I put some passages there. Some are with Christ's anger, and, and many are with other people's anger that's either directed towards Christ or um, towards people that he's interacting with. So um, I like how Jay had people read um, passages, and if you're, if you're watching from home, you can look these passages up. But I am going to ask, um, just for a few of these, um, can someone look up Mark 10, 13 to 15? Oh, thank you very much. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Thank you. Um, and that's wonderful. I think um, 
my translation has the word indignant there, uh, and you had greatly displeased. So Jesus was greatly displeased. He was indignant. I think a good translation there involves anger, that Jesus was disturbed. Um, there was something in this situation that riled him up, right, that got his anger flowing, um, that people were hindering children coming to him. And there's something about that, that that stirred up a righteous and a holy anger in Jesus. Now, the way he responds to that is very um, perfect. And it's, I think um, what he does is just correct the wrong thinking and, and then say, come, let the, let the children come. Um, can someone read just one verse? We can read some of the context if necessary, but John 11.33, this is another in- instance where I think we can say Jesus gets angry. Yes, Carl. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Yeah, so this is at the death of Lazarus, right? And Jesus is called to the this scene where there's mourning going on. Lazarus has died. And um, depending on your translation, um, a lot of them have different words there. Um, um, can you read just the description of the way Jesus was affected by this one more time, if you still have it up there, Carl? He was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Yeah, that's great. Um, deeply moved, greatly troubled. So I think that um, there's an implication there that Jesus is stirred up by this in a way that um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of injustice. Um, there's a sense of um, also just the, the darkness and the pain of death that Jesus is angered by. And does anyone else have anything else in their translation, a different word that, that's used there in 1133 to describe how Jesus is moved? Troubled, yeah. Mm-hmm. And groaned, groaned in his spirit, yeah. Um, I've heard it, I've heard it exposited. Um, the way I like best is that um, this was like, uh, and I think in the Greek, I know, Sam, you could help me with this, but um, there was almost like a snort, like an animal's snort of contention at this, that Jesus was, there was a, there was a rage to what Jesus felt here at the, at the pain he witnessed of death and an an anger against death itself, against evil in the world. So I think um, you can see what you can, you can remember what Jesus does in this story. Of course, he, um, he weeps. Um, There's that wonderful verse, Jesus wept. Um, But before the weeping, we usually focus on that sadness that, that Jesus feels as very human emotion, but there's a, there's an anger there's a there's a sense of um, this is not right. What we've talked about all morning, this is not right. And then he steps in and, and he raises Lazarus from the dead as an example of how he will put um, death, put an end to death and defeat it finally. So I think there's an anger stirred up in Jesus just by witnessing death and the, and the um, fallout of that. Um, and then a couple, a couple passages, we won't do all of them, but about how, how Jesus responds to uh, anger in others. So can someone read Luke five twenty nine to 31? Should have. Thank you, Sam. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yes, thank you, Sam. And so they were grumbling against Jesus. They were grumbling against him. They didn't like this um, rabbi 
um, spending time with, eating with, socializing with sinners, they were grumbling against him. This is a form of anger. This is one of the soft angers that we talked about in Paulson. So they were angry. They were angry. How could you do this, Jesus? How can you associate with such people? Um, and Jesus' response um, very appropriately corrects this, this reaction and then um, calls to mind the need um, for salvation for those who are lost, for those who are sick, healing. So um, we won't go through all the rest, but there's some good examples there of how Jesus responds. And hopefully um, read those. Um, if you want to see it in action, what we talk about today, if you, if you want to see it lived out, um, look, at, look at Christ. Look at Christ. He is our example of how we live the Christian life. So um, I have some discussion questions. And I do want to invite your participation. You can raise your hand. You can just speak up, and um, I'll acknowledge you, and we can, we can chat a little bit about some of these things just to get our minds um, flowing on this. So uh, number one, I have, what kind of anger do you, do you notice most often displayed by other adults in your life? So this is nice. You get to take, um, you know, take the spotlight off yourself and say, what do you notice in other people in your life? Um, instances of anger. Anyone? Mm. <laughs> yes, amen. Thank you, Noel. Yes, jealous anger, jealous anger, a comparison. Um, why do you get to do this when I don't? Why are you um, having this enjoyment that I'm not? Um, and that turns into anger. It can grow into bitterness. <laughs> Good for you. Praise God. Yes, and Noel just continues to love in spite of this anger, this jealous anger. Yeah, any other examples that you see of anger in others? I know we all do, so. Oh, passive-aggressive. Yeah, say a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That passive aggressive, there's a, there's a, um, spoken passivity or a spoken kind of like harmony, but, but then you, then you see the behavior or you see the body language or there's a cold silence. There's a conveil of disapproval. There's a distance, right? There's, um, the real story. You see it, you see it, but it's not acknowledged. Absolutely. You can tell, you can tell there's something simmering. There's something boiling. There's trouble. Um, but it's not acknowledged. Um, what you what you hear, what you see on the surface is everything is fine. You know it's not true. Yes. We're good at that in our culture, I think. Hmm. Yes, an expression of anger through a disrespectful ignoring. 
or disregard intentionally. Yeah, and the message is sent, you're not important, you don't matter, but it's sent clearly. Yes, yes, I do see that. Yes, Karen. Yes. Expectations that were up here, and then the reality is somewhere else. And, and it's, it's more than disappointment. It's, it's um, I, I, sh- I should have had this. It should have been otherwise. Right? And so maybe the expectations themselves were the problem. Maybe they were unrealistic. Um, but there's, a, there's an anger in response to that. I see that. I see that. Why? 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 But it's not, just a, it's not just a casual why. Like, I wonder why this is. Interesting. It's more like why um, with, a, with a ferocity behind it. Yeah. Anything else, John? I thought you had... Uh... Oh, yeah. Explosive. Yes. How does that usually look? Looks scary. Yeah. Absolutely. How, how have some of you seen explosive anger? Just, just observed it. I mean, how have you observed it? Sometimes it might be someone yelling at you, right? That's kind of the most personal way you might experience it. Someone is in your face yelling at you. But how else do you see explosive anger? Maybe not directed at you personally. Riots, sure. Yeah, yeah. Protests can be fueled by anger. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes they get destructive and sometimes they get violent. Absolutely. That's, there's anger there, isn't there? Yeah. What else? Explosive anger. How do you see it? Luke. Yes, yes, excellent, excellent point. Yeah, comments on social media that are that are um, that are bullying, that are full of malice, that are cutting. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of um, culturally acceptable, but there's a there's real damage that's done by that. Yeah, good, Luke. I, I think that's pervasive. So let's go to question two and think, because there's lots of other kinds that we might see. One that comes to my mind is uh, how the people drive, maybe, or uh, I see that a lot, and I see anger behind some of the ways that people drive. Um, but how does their anger usually affect you? And this is asking you to look inside. How does it make you uh, respond internally? Um, does it make you angry? Uh, does it make you afraid? Do you shrink away from it? Um, or does, your, does it get your back up? What does it do to you? to see other people angry. Anyone willing to to share? I'd love to hear your voices. Yes, Marie. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yes, Marie. Very um, good to know. So (laughs) for those of you... (laughs) So with Marie, anger begets anger. Okay. Okay, good, good. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you see anger and then you start saying things out of anger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can think about that, but yeah, right now we're just looking at the reaction. So yeah, anger feeds anger. Anger begets anger. Yeah, it rubs off. Yeah. Sorry, back here I had a hand and then I'll come. Mm, sad. Disappointment. Yeah. So it troubles you. It makes you sad. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yes, and um, over here. Disappointment. Yeah. What is the thought that goes through your mind as you see anger and you're feeling disappointed? What is the thought that runs through your mind? They should know better. Yeah, sure. We're just being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, what good is this doing? I think, what good is this doing? Who is this helping? Hopeless, yeah. Yes. Yes. It makes you want to um, distance and protect yourself. It makes you hopeless forever having a connection with that person. Yeah. Or if they'll ever change. Yeah. It's discouraging. Yeah. Absolutely. I saw a hand over here. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, it changes the way that you think of that person. Your, your image of them, your view of them changes. It's hard to trust an angry person. Right. Right. And that may be a wise lesson to learn. Yeah. And I saw another hand. On guard. Yes. Yes. Have that shield ready. You never know. Right? What may come at you. Yeah, it teaches you something about the person. Yes? Hmm. Oh, wow. Yes. Are you thinking of someone that you had an influence on at some point in their life? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a guilt. Did I contribute to this? Yeah, did I not? Did I do something wrong? Did I not do something right? Yeah. Wow, thank you. I thought I saw another hand back there. Yes, please. Yeah. For some people, anger, it's so, um, it's so deeply affecting. You just want to run and hide. You don't want to address the problem, right? You just want to shrink. You want to protect yourself, right? And, and it's just overwhelming. I can, I can relate to that, yeah. Yes. Fear, yes. Anger, anger does cause fear. It does. It does, rightfully or wrongfully. 
Mm. Yes, yes. And sometimes there's a there's an actual physical danger that you're afraid of, but sometimes it's just the unpleasantness. It's just the abrasiveness. It's just the obnoxious um, kind of vehemence with which um, this hostility is directed um, that can be painful. Yes, John. Yes. Yes. Yes, if it's part of an ongoing relationship. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of dynamics going on there. Yes, you're right. Yes. Right, right. Absolutely true. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful segue into our next. Uh, here's this person who's angry. Um, do I just do I just react to what I'm seeing, or or can I have the strength to to think through what what is the source of this anger? Can I can I bring it to God? Can I talk with this person? If this person is important in my life, how can I respond well? Um, I think Marie, did you have something else to add? Yes. 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 Inside, you can be feeling afraid, but you puff yourself up and you show anger. Yes, as a defense. Absolutely. Yes. Good, good insight. And so the next question really challenges you. Um, you know, do you ever try to help? Do you ever try to help? Someone else is angry. Um, does it work? Or not? <laughs> or do you just try to avoid? Um, I just want to hear from a few of you. You know, do you ever try to help? Or do you just stand back and kind of assess um, and you know, make a judgment? And, uh, or do you ever step in and try to help? Yeah, there's a hand back there. Please. Yes, absolutely. I think um, what you're sharing is usually about um, what we might call hot anger. It's anger that's kind of riled up, right? And it's maybe not explosive, but it's definitely hot. And so you, you might try to um, calm the situation, pacify the person. Um, you might try to just give space, but you're mostly concerned with um, this situation is getting out of hand. What can I do to make it better? Yes, yes. John.
okay. So listening to the person, talking with them, and, and having a conversation, and, and encouraging them, that's been helpful. Of course, of course, yes, yes. Couple here, yeah. Chris. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you were able to empathize, you were able to bring truth. Yes. That's a that's a real wonderful scenario of the place. Okay, but this person was able to hear you about the truth. That's wonderful. I wish it could always go that way. That's wonderful. Yes. Right. Oh, wow. So you were able to reflect back. You seem angry to me. Yeah. And ask, sure. Yeah. Offer to help. And that's been, that's been helpful for you? Yeah, okay, good. If that's effective, wonderful. You know, if someone can, can you can reflect back to them, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing anger. Um, what's going on there? Is there anything I can do to help? And if they respond well to that, beautiful. That's great. I mean, it shows it shows that you have a good relationship with them or you've earned some kind of uh, right to speak into their life. And maybe, they're, maybe they don't want to be thought of as someone who gets angry. So you've kind of caught them off guard there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not online at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of negativity as part of the culture. Yeah. Right. Right. A very good point. Yeah, there's a lot of focus on negativity in the culture. One thing I heard that would be helpful um, for social media is um, everyone that you talk to should be someone that you have to actually meet face-to-face, -face, interact with. They should know your name. They should know who you are, what you look like, where you live, um, and that things like that might change the way that we interact on social media. Um, they should be someone who is part of your community. They should be someone who knows you, knows your family, and um, we might be a little bit more careful and choose our words better on social media if that were the case. Um, but we're going to get more into, you know, because every situation is different, but we're going to get more into principles for helping you respond well when someone is angry. Um, let's just go through these other questions. After we go about, I'm going to say 10, 
10-ish more minutes. We'll take a little break, and I'll let you stretch your legs and just take a breath. And we'll just take a couple minute break, and then we'll come back and, and wrap up. But this is going great. Um, so how about if you were the angry one? <laughs> so uh, maybe that's the case. And um, has anyone else ever been able to respond in a way that helped you? Right, here you are angry, right, and someone else comes to you, responds uh, in a certain way, and does something that's actually really helpful in, in redeeming your anger and helping you think through your anger and reflect on it and respond in a better way. Um, has anyone ever done that for you? And if so, how did that go? Uh, what happened? What did they do? It might be um, a spouse or a family member. It might be someone at work. It might be a friend um, who you opened up to, either intentionally or not, <laughs> with your anger, and that person helped. That person brought um, grace and truth and peace into that situation. Maybe not wiping away your anger, but helped you redeem it. Yeah, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, if they try and understand and they show empathy, maybe they say things like, wow, that sounds really bad. I can see why that's frustrating. Um, and that's helped you kind of like take a step back. It makes you not feel alone. Yeah, that's great. I like that approach. I think that would help me. Anybody else been helped? Or did you all just have to sort through it on your own? Karen? Thank you for sharing. So that word was um, this person's treatment of you and view of you is too important right now, and um, you're important too, right? And what you're going through. How are you able to hear that? I mean, instead of just pushing it back, how are you able to hear? Was there a certain way it was delivered, or? Thank you so much. What a beautiful story and heartbreaking as well, but beautiful. Thank you, Karen. Good. Okay. I know there are more stories out there, but that's wonderful. Um, when we, when we actually experience this going well, there's a wisdom to be gained from that. I want us to learn from each other today. So, um, so these are just 
two last things quickly, because um, there's different kinds of anger. How might you help someone with a pattern of inward slow burn anger? We talked about these things um, with Pastor Jay. So, um, you know, frustration, um, sort of resentment, um, yeah, maybe jealousy. Um, but it's the anger that, that burns under the surface. Um, it's the anger that we would say, I'm not angry, I'm just fill in the blank. Right? And so there, it's not a hot anger, it's not explosive anger necessarily, but it is there and it's pervading someone's perspective in their life. How might you help someone with that kind of anger as opposed to an anger that's um, crackling in your face? Oh, that's beautiful. Wonderful. There's so much in that. Um, she sang to you. She reminded you of your blessings. She empathized with you. She she heard your lament. She valued your lament. She um, she spoke truth over you in a loving way. Uh, that's fantastic. I love that. If we could all go out and do that. Wonderful. Um, any other ideas of this kind of um, discontent, uh, this kind of un unhappiness with life, maybe feeling like you got the short end of the stick in some area, and it just kind of, um, that just kind of simmers in you. It colors everything you see or someone else. How would you, um, how would you lovingly approach someone like that and, and with the intention of helping? I think sometimes it, it there's a, there's a, more of an opening there to have the kind of conversation that we would like to have. Um, if it's a Christian believer, we can talk about the truths of God. We can talk about the blessings in that person's life. We can talk about God's love for that person. There's more of an opening to, to have that kind of calm conversation. And there's an element of love in that. There's a, there's a, there's a comforting sense that this person values you enough, um, that you value this person enough to go to them, listen to them, hear them out, express love, express comfort, um, reflect on the things together, and that can be a, a that can be a turning point for a lot of people. But what about the other kind of um, anger, the explosive anger, the hot anger, the rage, the um, the ferocity, right? The, the the kind of anger that makes some of us want to hide. How how would how would you approach someone like that differently? Yes. Yes, no, that's a fantastic insight. You would want to stay calm, in control of yourself. Um, the tendency might be to um, react in an extreme way, to run away and hide, to, to respond back in anger, to get worked up yourself. Um, but staying calm would be a good place to start. If they're willing to listen, you would want to speak um, carefully, logically, um, and you wouldn't want to put that person on the defensive in, a, in an instance like that. 
So I think if you're able to talk at a very logical level, that can be helpful. Yes, Carl. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. 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 Something like 90% of communication is nonverbal. So the tone of your voice, your body language, you don't want to instigate, you don't want to provoke in a situation like that. Even if the person is in the wrong, you're not helping uh, by stirring up the pot more. Yes, John? I'm so glad you said that. That's brilliant. Um, someone who's angry feels like they have to force their view on you. They, they have to force their way into um, being heard. But if you can invite sharing, if you can say, I want to understand, help me. Tell me more about that. Help me understand. Share with me. What are you going through and why? Um, that can diffuse because it, it can suddenly lower the, um, the assault a little bit. Because it's like, oh, this person is actually receptive. This person actually wants to know they care. Um, they want to hear me out. So I don't have to shout. I don't have to attack. I can just, I can just share. So inviting. I like that, John. That's, that's brilliant. Yes? Mm -hmm. Humor. Yeah. Yes, thank you. I like that. Yeah, it depends on the relationship. But humor, I mean, lightening the mood, um, if carefully done, right? You don't want it to be kind of a, a humor at the person's expense. You don't want it to be what we call hostile humor. Right? You don't want it to be a weapon uh, um, against the person. But my wife has helped me understand this. Just lightening the mood can, can, can go so far. You know? And if you have that trust with that person and you're able to kind of lighten the mood, that can, that can lower the tension level to where you can have a better conversation about what's going on. Yeah, that's, thank you for sharing that. That can be so helpful. Yes, Karen. Writing a letter. Wow. Yes. Yes, what a great way to share a, a measured, 
perspective with someone, take the time to sit down, write it out, read it, make sure you don't want to edit it anyway, but then share it with them. They can read it when they are ready. They can reflect on it. They can understand it better than if you try to just come at them in the moment, right? Beautiful. I love that. Okay, well, um, let me just read through these strategies, and then I'm going to give you a break and let you stretch your legs, and then you could be kind of like percolating on these biblical strategies um, during the break, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more after that. So um, these are, I think, biblical strategies, and you'll probably be able to think of scenarios where, yeah, but what about, right, um, the but what abouts is one thing that Pallison mentions in his book, but what about this? And, and you think of the exceptions, so that's fine. We can talk about the exceptions, but these are, these are biblical principles. These are um, pieces of wisdom that we can use to help other people with their anger. So the first one, we all know, about this one, but it's worth saying. So the soft anger, sorry, the soft answer approach. The soft answer approach. In Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So um, the, um, the idea there is that anger or wrath already exists, and um, the soft answer turns away the wrath, that it, 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 um, it has an influence of peace on the wrath. Um, doesn't mean there might not still be some issue to be looked at, but it turns away wrath. It doesn't turn away the person. It turns away the wrath. Um, but a harsh word, you can imagine saying a harsh word to someone who's already angry, that's going to make it worse, right? That's going to stir up the anger. Um, so a soft answer. And we talked about this already. Um, here comes someone, they're angry. Um, you have to be in control of yourself enough to respond softly to that person. That may not be their cure to their anger. Keep that in mind. But it's a, it's a, it's a godly way of responding. And in Proverbs, we're taught it turns away wrath. Um, the slow to anger approach, um, Proverbs fifteen eighteen: a hot-tempered man stirs up strife um, or woman, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And I like that um, because all of us should reflect on how we can be slow to anger. And we talked about that this morning, um, uh, late morning, early afternoon. Jay, yeah, late morning. Jay talked about um, how can you tell yourself, hey, you know, he would say, hold on a minute there, tiger. Slow down before you go off half cocked, you know. Um, let's think about this. But, um, but we can also think about there's contention someone's angry, there's, um, there's tension, there's, there's turmoil, um, but he who is slow to anger, so you're not letting um, their anger rub off on you, it's a good one for you, Marie, that, <laughs> for all of us, I'm just teasing, that how do you keep yourself from getting angry? And, and it actually says in the proverb that that quiets contention. So here's contention, it's loud, it's got high volume, and you're slow to anger, and that doesn't just remain neutral, it actually quiets contention. So there's a calming effect of someone who's slow to anger in a situation where there's anger. Think about that. Um, this one's a little bit more nuanced, but the third one is the wise withdrawal approach. Um, and we'll talk more about this, but Proverbs seventeen fourteen: the beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. Okay, so here's strife, and it's coming, it's being let out like water. Um, the implication is it's going to get 
bigger. <laughs> it's going to grow. It's going to be like a flood. It's going to overwhelm. It's going to sweep everything away. Um, so there's a wisdom in um, stepping away, in in withdrawing, and maybe it's um, if it's in a relationship, it could be both people withdrawing, but it's basically stopping before things get to a bad place. And there's a place for this, and there's maybe another step to this. We can talk about it, but there's a wisdom to being able to withdraw from a situation that is going nowhere good. There's a wisdom to um, quitting in a godly way when things are going wrong. And it's a temporary quitting because you don't want to quit on a person, but it's a quitting from that scenario. Um, next one is reminder of ultimate justice. I love this one. Um, this is Romans twelve nine, and he's quoting, um, I'll have to look at the reference, but beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So um, if this person is a Christian, you can remind them of the fact that God will, there will be a reckoning that God will punish every act of wickedness. Every bit of evil will be done away with. If they aren't a Christian, you can, you can point to, hopefully justice will be <laughs> served somehow in the world. Um, but that's not as much of a, a comfort. Um, but for Christians, um, there is justice. There is justice at the end of the day. Justice will be served. Um, either in Christ taking the punishment or evil being punished in the individual. So uh, the next one is choosing your friends carefully. Um, and Jay read this proverb, but um, he read the next one too. But um, 22, 24, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. So this is a um, thinking about who do you want to associate with in your life? And maybe it's too late, right? Maybe you already have people in your life and you're like, I'm, I'm stuck with them now. They're an angry person. But, um, but there is a wisdom to say, do I want, do I want to have an ongoing interaction with this person in a way that I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, in the blast radius a lot, right? And I'm putting myself in that position. Do I want to do that? Is that wise? Or is it, is it sometimes wise to say, um, that's not a friendship I want to invest myself in. So we'll talk more about that. And the last one, proactive reconciliation. Proactive reconciliation. So this is Jesus um, preaching in Matthew 5, 23 to 24. So if you are offering your gifts at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, maybe he's angry, uh, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So I guess this would be a way of helping someone else with anger at you. And maybe someone is angry at you for a good reason. <laughs> and um, Jesus isn't just saying, wait until they come to you and sort of like go off on you, right? And, and tell you what you've done wrong. Um, if you know this person has something against me. Jesus says, go and seek them out. Don't come, don't, don't, don't come to me in worship. Don't offer your gift. Go, go seek this person out and make things right between you, or at least try. At least try to reconcile. It might mean um, offering an apology. It might mean repenting. It might mean confessing you're wrong. It might be owning up to what you've done wrong. But this is a proactive approach to helping other adults with their anger. So we're going to talk more about those, but... Take a little five-minute break and stretch your legs. You can use the restroom, whatever, and we'll come back here in about five. Thanks.
Okay, so um, we'll come back together as, as folks settle in. Um, but as you're doing that, that's fine. Um, I'm glad you're talking with each other. Any, any um, comments or any questions about the strategies from Scripture that we talked about, these principles um, for how to help um, angry people? Any, any comments or questions? I just want to... Yes, wonderful. Thank you, Noel. All of all of the interesting dynamics of of having relationships with other human beings it requires a lot of grace. It requires an effort on our part, and there's no guarantee uh, in relationships that you are going to be able to um, create harmony in a relationship. You focus on what you bring to the table, and you you yield the outcome to God. Um. Praise God. Praise God. I, that is a word of wisdom. Doing the hard work of friendships, and you worry about blank. Fill in your name there. Let's <laughs> start there. So keeping these strategies in mind and um, the scriptures behind them, flip your page over, and on the back, um, I just thought of using the analogy of lenses, um, because when you're approaching a situation with another angry adult, um, there's not going to be a just a a technique that you can apply across the board, right? It's going to vary based on the situation. I used to hate when my professors, I would ask them, what do you do in this situation? And they would say that really unsatisfactory answer, it depends. It depends. Hated that answer. Just such a cop-out. But it's true, right? It depends. So these are different lenses that we need to look through in order to make the best um, judgment on what we can do. So the first lens at the top there, um, I just called the self-check lens. 
So this person's angry, and maybe it's a different kinds of anger and there's different reasons for it, but um, you want to check in with yourself and ask, how is our anger affecting me right now? We talked about that earlier, right? Maybe it's overwhelming you. Maybe it's frightening you. Right? Maybe it's deeply troubling you. Maybe it's just annoying you. Maybe it's, maybe it's making you angry about the same thing. Maybe it's making you angry at that person. Um, but just check with that. Be aware of that. Notice that. Um, think about why does their anger concern me? Again, is it because they're being obnoxious? Is it because the thing they're angry about is a real injustice and it's moving you to want to do something good about it? Um, and do I share their anger? Should I? Um, if I don't, why not? Um, maybe it was about something trivial, right? Maybe it was about they stubbed their toe, they, you know, um, you know, whatever um, trivial thing happened to them and now they're angry. So that's number one, because however you respond, um, it's going to be affected by this. It's going to be affected by this. And so um, it doesn't mean you can be have total purity of intention and, and inner life, but be aware of what's going on inside. And if you need to, you can pray to God about that. You can yield that to God. Um, and we'll talk about that. Next one down, the relationship lens. We talked about this a little bit, but what is the nature of this relationship? Just meaning, is this a family member? Is this a spouse? Is this a friend? Is it an acquaintance? Is it a total stranger? And then how important is this relationship to me? Meaning, how hard am I willing to work to make this relationship better? Or what, do I, what am I willing to do to help this situation and this person You know, to, to work through this anger? If it's a total stranger, it may not be your place to help them with their anger. Um, and then how flexible and strong is this relationship? Can this relationship bend um, enough to allow me to bring up some truth right now? Can it, can it, is it strong enough to withstand maybe, um, maybe even, even some pushback on my part, um, gently of course, but can it, can it withstand um, a loving confrontation of something that's wrong? Or maybe a correction, or maybe um, uh, sharing of truth that needs to be heard. So is the relationship strong enough to withstand that? Or is it a relationship that's very fragile and just needs to be preserved kind of by um, really taking care and being gentle? Um, so what kind of relationship is it? Um, how important is it? What's the priority of this relationship? And we'd like to say every relationship is the top of importance to us, but it, it's not the case. We have different priorities of relationship, and that's fine. Um, and the flexibility will um, help you select the best kind of response. Basically, um, how much can this relationship take as far as um, maybe tension, challenge, things like that. Um, state of mind lens. With this, I'm trying to capture in a big umbrella, sort of, um, when I say what state of mind is that person in, it's state physiologically, state of emotion, um, what is their state of being right now? Um, there are different words in psychology that we use for um, the state of being out of control of your best faculties of reason and logic. And you, you'll hear terms like emotional flooding or the brain's panic response. But the way that God made us, our brain um, has the capacity to kind of snap into this crisis mode, if you will, and um, it's good, actually, because it helps us in situations where we're actually in danger. And maybe anger is part of that. But it's a, it's a reactive place. It's a place where there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of adrenaline. There's a lot of um, the blood pumps, right? There's tension in your muscles. Um, and 
this is preparing you for an extreme type of response. Maybe it's running away from a, a dangerous situation. Maybe it's fighting back against someone who's um, threatening you. Um, but this is, God implanted this in us to, to help us in situations of crisis. But sometimes when you're angry, it can feel as though this is, an, this is a real crisis. This is something I need to solve right now. And so your, your body is in a state that the part of your brain that lets you sort of like think through things clearly maybe access the truth that you know, right? And logically work through um, what would be the wise and good thing. That part of your brain is inaccessible at that moment because the part of your brain that's active and alive is the part that helps you react. So if a person is in that state and you try and um, do a Bible study, right? Or you try to, um, you know, rebuke in the name of the Lord, it may not go well um, because the state of being of that person at that moment is heightened. It's flooded. It's overwhelmed. It's panic. It's crisis. So there's a different kind of response in that kind of situation. We talked about this, um, but sometimes um, there's nothing you can do specifically to make that person go from that state to calm. As someone else, there's nothing you can do to make that person go from this state of hyperarousal to a state of calm, reasonable discussion. Um, but you could keep from making it worse. So sometimes it's just a matter of giving that person space, you know, and expressing maybe love and care, but just, just creating a little bit of distance because the person really needs to calm down. But I think staying calm is a good way to manage that situation, staying calm yourself. Um, but it's that person's, um, what they need is a, is a setting in which they can physiologically calm themselves or they feel physiologically soothed. Basically, the, their brain comes back into a state of operating with executive functioning, thinking through what is actually happening here, all of the questions that Pallison lists. You know, what do, I, what do I really want? What do I need to do about it? But there are states of being that don't access those. And so I think when we're helping someone else, um, sometimes the best way we can help is to um, help create a space where that person can sort through it safely help create space where that person is not overly um, antagonized, right? Where they're not overly stimulated. So in, in context of relationship, I work with couples. If there's a heated exchange between a couple and both people or one person is in a state of flooding, that conflict is not going to go constructively. You're not going to work through that problem in that state very well. So sometimes it's appropriate to just take a pause and take a break and both get to a better state of mind. And then you can work through a very real problem in a better way. So um, if they're in a flooded state, how can I help? I think sometimes the best thing you do is stay calm and help create a space for that person to calm themselves. Um, but trying to directly intervene doesn't always go well. You know the person. You know the relationship. You can think of examples, I think. So there are different things you can do. But if they're in a calm state, how can I listen well? And we talked a little bit about this earlier. How can you have a conversation? Right? This person is frustrated. This person is feeling um, the weight of injustice. This person is angry about something that is real and wrong. Okay, so how can you approach them um, because they are in a calm state and talk through this you know, in a godly, rational way? Um, next one down, the target of anger lens. So who or what is the, um, this person's anger directed towards? This is just a good thing for you to identify. Is it... Um, you know, is it... Is it traffic? Is it you? Is it um, 
people in general? Is it Trump? Is it what is it? You know, what is the target of anger? And is there something deeper beneath that? You know, if it's the dishwasher and there's a lot of anger, there's probably more going on than just the dishwasher, right? There's something about, uh, there's something that's stirring up anger beyond just the surface level issue. And is that person aware of that? That'll change the way you respond. Um, frequency of anger. Uh, this goes back to our um, choosing your friends carefully. Um, how often is this person angry like this? Is it multiple times a day? Right? Is it is it once a month? Is it once a year? Is it you know? Is it constant? Um, is the frequency of their anger appropriate? Are they really? Um, are, they, are they really that wronged all the time? Are they really? Is there really this much injustice against them that they need to be constantly angry? Even Christ, you know, wasn't that way. He got angry, but. Um, not with a high, high frequency. And how might the frequency of their anger affect my response? So sometimes you can notice a pattern, and it's wise to acknowledge that pattern. Um, you can still work with that person, but if, the, if there's a habit, if there's an ingrained um, character, habit of character, that's something that you can be aware of, and it can change the way you work with that person. Um, empathy lens, I think, is when as you go down this list, this is when you're more able to um, sort of calmly assess the situation, think clearly yourself, right? And really try to be helpful, right? You're in your best um, loving, gracious place and you're really trying to be helpful. So um, think about what is it like to be angry like this person is right now? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been angry about something else. Maybe you've felt similar. You think about what that's like. Um, when I'm angry, what helps me? We talked about some of these things earlier. What helps me? Uh, what might this person be hoping for by coming to me? Maybe they're coming to you on purpose because they trust you. Maybe they know that you have good wisdom to offer. Maybe they know that you care about them. Maybe they know that you'd be interested in what's bothering them. Um, what are they hoping for? And then the last one, most importantly, um, is the angry person a Christian believer? Because if they are, that changes everything. It depends on their... Um, I guess, level of maturity in the faith, at what level you can talk to him, but you can talk to a Christian believer at any level um, about God's truth, about God's love. Um, and that can be helpful. We've already heard stories today about how that's been helpful um, to bring the truth, speak the truth in love. Um, are they open to a godly rebuke or correction or just godly reflection on, is this something, are you right to be angry? Is the question God asks. Um, is this something we can do something about? Is this something we need to trust to God? Um, should you be managing and redeeming your anger in a different way? There is a place, there is a place for godly correction among believers. Um, is this person open to that? Um, and then how might I help them respond to their anger in a godly way? And it's probably not um, kind of a lecturing or talking down at them, but how might you help them? How might you guide them? How might you inspire them? How might you give them hope? How might you encourage them? As a, as a fellow Christian, as a brother and sister in Christ. So I just want to open it up. I talked a lot there, sorry. But um, when thinking about looking at someone else's anger through these lenses, um, what comes to mind? Or um, can you think of a time when one of these lenses was particularly relevant? Or does any of them not make sense? or even about the strategies that we get from scripture for how to help an angry person. Anything about those that um, you have questions about or that you've experienced or that you appreciate or that you want to comment on, I just want to open up the floor.
Yes. Yes, amen, Noel. Thank you. Yeah, having compassion on other people's experience. Having compassion. You can still um you can still judge whether something is right or wrong, but have compassion. Have compassion in the way that you respond to people. And you're not responsible for their behavior. That's a good point, Noel. Thank you. Anything else on your minds? Yes, John. Yes. Yes, that's a really good, really good question. He's asking, you know, are different kinds of people get angry at different frequencies, right? Based on their personality, based on the type of person. Yes, absolutely yes. That would be one of the nuances of this. Um, we talk about how there's a place for anger in the Christian life. Part of our image of God is to have anger. And, and so, um, but we're different. And so at different levels, we'll have experiences of anger and at different frequencies. So when you're thinking about a person, John, and you're thinking, you know, is this, is this person's frequency of anger appropriate? You have to think about it in the context of that person. And you can't compare it to, um, you know, this other person you know that's basically kind of Zen all the time, right? And you think, no, com compared to my other friend who just doesn't care, that, that's way too much. So you have to think about it in context of that person. So it does require knowing the person. Um, Having a higher frequency of anger because you just have a personality that's more excitable, right? Or more invested in things. It doesn't give license to just vent that anger in sinful ways. But you would take that into consideration in how you assess, is this manifestation of anger, according to their personality, is it, is it still honoring to God? So you wouldn't want to just apply the same standard to everyone in this case. So excellent point. You know, you'd have to think about, um, based on the way that they live, you know, is this appropriate for their personality? Because someone might get angry more, but how do they redeem that anger? How do they manage that anger? How do they express that anger? And someone might get angry less, right? But how do they, um, how do they try to use the anger that they do experience to spur them to good action? So I think you could look at, both sides of that continuum, people that feel, feel anger a lot and it's really strong, okay, they might need to really try and redeem that anger and put it to good use. They might even try to have to let go of some of the anger because not all it's necessary. The other end of the spectrum, you might have someone that just doesn't, isn't affected enough by things. And for that person, the challenge might be, how do I tune into the world in a way that my heart is like God's heart? And so, absolutely right. You'd have to look at the person, hopefully to know them, try and know them as an individual. And God did make us differently. Um, you know, Paul talks about in the body of Christ, there's, we're not all the I, we're not all, uh, we have different roles in the body. And it's partially because we are different types of people. So there's a place for that. Absolutely. Yes. And back here. Yes, that's a great question. Is estrangement or cutoff, basically, is that ever appropriate? I'd say yes. And, and probably not, not always, right? Not frequently, but it is sometimes. I mean, if that person has shown you um, basically what they are going to, there's, a, there's an element of free will, I would say, 
in that person's behavior. And so if they've shown enough to make it dangerous to interact with them and to be in relationship with them, then it's wise and good to actually um, yield that relationship to God and to restrain yourself. Absolutely, yes. And is this a working relationship? It's a friendship? Okay, so um, she's asking, is it okay to pull away? Because she feels a certain um, expectation to try and reconcile, right? To try and work out the problems. But she doesn't feel any effort on the other person's part, right? To try to acknowledge the wrong and try to make it better. So, I mean, you would have to assess that relationship and say, um, what does God want from me here? Because we're not called to be friends with everyone. We're not called into friendship with everyone. Can you love that person without being their friend? Right, right. Yes. Very good point. If you just keep trying and it just it's like banging your head against the wall and it's not getting anywhere, then there can be resentment that grows from that. Remember Jesus sent out the disciples um, two by two and he said, you know, if, if preach the truth, if they do not receive you, um, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that town. And I think there's, there's a lesson in that for us, that there's a shaking the dust off of, of certain contexts in life that is necessary. And that this message that, no, we need to keep, keep pursuing, keep pursuing, make it happen, make it happen. Um, Jesus didn't do that even during his time on earth. Sometimes he watched people walk away. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And that's such an important part. That, that sometimes we can think we just make ourselves um, sort of a doormat. And we just, we just kind of put ourselves under people's feet to be trampled. Uh, and that's not, I don't think that's... God's heart. Yes, Carl. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yes, good point, good point. And um, I know we'll be wrapping up here as the other group comes in, but there's a difference between forgiving from your heart as a way of honoring God, and, and Pallison talks about that in his book. I think he calls it ad, attitudinal forgiveness. And we are called to that. We are called to that. So this is not talking about holding a grudge against someone, right? Or feeling 
um, self-righteous against them, um, but forgiving in your heart, truly, truly forgiving. Um, it doesn't, it's not the same as um, you making that relationship come to full restoration. It's not. Those are different. So, yeah. Um, Jay, do you need us to stop or we have it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is wonderful. Wonderful. Really very real conversation. Honest. Any, any final words? And they're going to be coming back in, but I'll, I'll just, if there's any final word from the floor, I, I, I want to give a, give a moment for that. Yes, here. Are you talking about the anger resurfacing for you or for this other person? Okay, both, yeah. Your, your reaction is the part that you have um, the most stake in. And so I would bring that to God in prayer. And that, that's an element that we maybe, maybe we didn't focus on enough today, that how you help an angry person, whether it's you or someone else, um, prayer is a big part of that. Prayer is an impactful part of that. And so I think in, even in the act of prayer, honest prayer before God, a, a crying out to God with your true heart, even that act in itself will be a purifying. So yeah, it is, it is, a, it is a difficult, because your heart longs for harmony and restoration. Yeah, and that ultimately is God's task. Um, um, but we do our part. And so your part, I think, is trying to yield your heart to God. And the best way to do that is in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in conversation with other believers who can encourage you. All right, thank you. Others are uh, wandering in from the other, uh, the other seminar. Uh, what I'd love to have you do here in just the last few minutes, on the back of your seat, there is a comment card. They're there every Sunday, but uh, they're especially there now. And, of course, there's a pen. It's amazing. It says Sunset Bible Church on it. And here is your chance to take a moment. If there was something in particular that you heard today that you found helpful, um, no names are needed, but if you would just jot that down, wonderful. And, if, and or if you have a, a suggestion Maybe there is a topic you'd love to see addressed. Those of us on staff who write bulletin articles are often looking for bulletin articles, and what you write may not be appropriate for that. No, don't. Don't talk about that. But then again, it might be. Uh, or something else that in another setting you'd want to say. It's feedback time. Or if there is a particular question you have for Richard or for Daniel or for me that you would want to write down briefly and have us get back to you, fantastic. So, comment card time. Something you learned or appreciated or valued. Suggestion. Specific question.
How about that? Don't, don't have to do all three of those. Just whatever you got. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your feedback. Appreciate that. If I were to send you out with uh, just a couple of comments of summary, it would be it would be these three things, okay? First of all, I would want to remind you that anger is a God-given emotion, and you deal with it because you're made in the image of God. And even as it has great potential for harm, it has great potential for good, if used correctly, headed in the right direction, harnessed, submitted to God. So don't walk out of here saying, I've got to be less angry. Just make sure you know the difference between good and bad anger. When it's time for good anger, use it to motivate you to action. So please hear an affirmation that way. When you come to think about the, the negative side of things, the difficult anger. Remember, we gave you several things to think about. Uh, what, what is going on inside of me? What's the occasion? What specifically is drawing this emotion from me? What do I want here? What am I feeling? What am I fearing? All these things. And, uh, of course, what, what things can I do here that would be better? Those, go to those eight questions from Paulison in your book. And then the third of my three summary comments is never, never forget Christ is what you need, not just a better method, okay? And you come to him, you cry out to him, okay? Learn the better methods, read, it, read another book, get a good counselor, oh, no, it's all good. But ultimate healing, ultimate help is Christ, always, always, always. Let me pray for us, all right? Are you still writing? That's fine, good, good, thank you for that. But let me pray for us and we'll, we'll be done for the day. Father, it is so good to think deeply about these things. This business of being made in the image of God is so profound, and it touches every part of us. And I thank you that we could think deeply this weekend about this important topic. And I think, again, of all the people in our sphere of influence, those of us in this room, kids and grandkids and other family members and all the people who are, we connect with at work or neighborhood and so on, all of whom, because they're made in your image too, deal with these emotions, including anger. And I pray, Father, that this weekend you would have uh, caused us to, to think well and biblically about this in such a way that we'd be able to be a help, an encouragement to others, not, not just a word of rebuke, but help and encouragement. And Father, for those of us in this room who maybe came this weekend specifically aware of what we would quickly call an anger problem, either in someone close to us or in us, uh, I pray for your help and your hope uh, that can only come from Jesus ultimately. But give us diligence in saying, oh, Jesus, help me with this. Help me with this. Help me with this. I want to honor you. I don't want to hurt people around me. So I bring all this to you. And I thank you for this time for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can finish writing. If you got kids, they're eager to see you, I'm sure. And you can uh, leave those on the table or hand them to me, whatever you like. And we will not throw away stuff with writing on it like that, okay? Other than that, we'll see you tomorrow or when God works it out for us to see each other.